Welcome to the Day at Indy on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and our dear friends at torontomotorsports.com, who will be holding an awesome one-day pop-up shop, that being Saturday the 25th, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway memorabilia show. Cannot wait to see the cool stuff they have coming for us there. So, here on this somewhat strange Thursday, May 16th, we had quite a bit of running going on to start. We had a little bit of a quiet afternoon, and then just as folks were starting to think about rolling out happy hour, coming into the window to really try and do some hardcore qualifying simulations, we had rain come bucketing down, thunder, lightning, uh, chairs flying, awnings flying. It was some pretty serious stuff. So shut down the track about an hour early or so. So none of that happened. Interesting day. Definitely an interesting day to see the various agendas at play. So one main takeaway, teams did more race day running longer into today, Thursday, than I expected at least. So we will see what happens tomorrow when we come back, when we have the extra turbo boost, qualifying boost, which should add about five miles an hour or so to the no-toe speeds, get us up into the 228, 229, unaided. Who knows? Maybe even more if the conditions are right. The three guests for you today, that being the three-time Indy 500 winner, four-time IndyCar Series champion Dario Franchitti, who leads us off speaking about getting young Felix Rosenquist's mind back in the game after his crash yesterday. Interesting to just hear there's a genuine process and philosophy they went through in getting him back on track and how to keep his mind in the right spot. Also some other fun stuff from Dario getting to meet up with his friend, seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson, and there's always just fun stories with Dario. We are followed after Dario with our pal Dragon Speed team owner, former really excellent race car driver, uh, young American hopeful heading over to Europe in the early 90s, that being Elton Julian, to speak about knowing what they are facing. Coming in here, rookie Indy 500 team, rookie Indy 500 driver, kid that has zero oval experience coming in in Ben Hanley. And Elton is somebody who is driven by a lot of self-confidence. That's not a bad thing at all. He's also driven by honesty. And so... If you don't know Elton, I think you're going to enjoy our discussion because he's he reminds me so much of Michael Shank in that regard. He's just going to tell you what his truth is, stand on it, whether he sounds really smart, really not smart. He doesn't care. He's just going to be himself. So have all the time in the world for Elton. And boy, they do have a heck of a good story here. He uncorks one as well. I won't give it away here, but... I didn't know about it, and it kind of blew me away to realize that this team has had to go through this big, big, unexpected change coming into Indy 500 practice. And then we close with the charming Aussie, that being James Davison. have always had an affinity for that kid in sports cars, in junior open wheel, him turning up to Indy each year with the Bird family, his friend Brad Hollinger, and also Brian Bellardi taking part, the three of them coming together to help enter a car this year with Dale Coin Racing, and to see what they can try and make happen, he, like Elton, knows that they are they're not quite yet at the happy end of feeling like they're going to get into the show without question. So enjoy the conversation with 
James, who closes things out just from the topic of someone who's under pressure. And that's what I wanted to bring here for you from him. We have drivers here who wake up, roll out to pit lane, do their thing. Really, other than knowing James Hinchcliffe missed the show last year, really aren't giving any thought to the potential of them not making the field of 33. Just interesting to hear from someone who isn't filled with that confidence, who's dealing with a lot of pressure, where this is his biggest race of the year. It's really the big highlight. And so while that might sound like an obvious statement, of course Indy 500 is big. Put yourself in the shoes of someone where this means everything. If you succeed, it will probably punch your ticket to come back next year. You have a good finish, a good showing, make sponsors happy, something in that range. If it goes poorly, if you fail to qualify, if you crash out early, maybe this dream ends. So speaking with James, who's been in that role for a couple years now, has been able to break out of it, but has some very, very high-quality folks supporting him in the Birds, the Hollingers, the Bellardis. It's cool to see him undeterred, wanting to see if he can change his narrative, maybe earn, call it almost a, a... annual permanent return to the 500 because folks know this guy's always going to deliver he will give you everything that he has he is among the bravest drivers i have seen here in recent years working with equipment that has not always been super super competitive but this kid's a fighter and so great to hear from someone working towards the tail end of the field right now at least trying to tell us what his mindset is getting ready for a very important weekend yet again that could fundamentally alter the arc of his career all right so we got three guests here a little bit of a longer episode for our day at indie series thank you to everyone that's been listening we've been getting a lot of really cool feedback a lot of cool suggestions on who to have on so we just kind of make this stuff up on the fly we actually had two other guests lined up joseph newgarden was one and McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown was another, and they both had to adjust and request a a stay of execution to uh, come back here another day with some things that changed on their end. So do certainly appreciate Dario coming in on the fly. He was on my list, but uh, just called him a little sooner than expected. Then Elton, and then we close with our man, James Davison, all brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Dario Franchitti, we have thunder arriving with you outside. How about that? The Lord has blessed your appearance. Somebody's definitely speaking. That's pretty cool. It's quite, we just lost power a minute ago. I know. I was outside with Bourdais, and we, we were, no joke, watching steel chairs getting blown off the eighth floor of the pagoda and crashing down below. We almost had a fatality. Well, the thing, all the uh, all the data guy, guys and girls haven't pulled the... Uh, the the, the telemetry, the telemetry what, aerials oh. down they're all going to bend and break so yeah how are you my friend i'm all right i'm all right um challenging day yesterday and sort of half of today with felix obviously had had his accident um yesterday afternoon and um the guys and the girls and the team did a great job rebuilding the car but today was just building confidence again with him which he did ever so well and um you know by the end of the day he was running flat out again and you know getting right back up to the limit so that uh, was an impressive performance by the wee guy tell folks about that because when he headed out i think some of the comments were oh my goodness he's only doing pick the number 215 to whatever 
of course the lad could do 230. But there's a process to trying to bring a rookie back from their first crash, keep the head space where it should be. I mean, that's really the focus. Yeah. I mean, I've been in the position here where I've run around at times and imagined, you know, the rear is doing things and it's stepping out mm-hmm. and all that. And so this place can play tricks with your mind and then you hit the wall hard, um, which actually I never did here. I hit it hard on other places, but I never did it here. But he, he hit the wall hard yesterday. Um, he's not quite sure why. Um, and so he had to rebuild. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is step over the, the, the line again. So he, we, we had a, we have a process in the team of, okay, this is we're going to set the car up you know, very conservatively and, and, and go at it. And he did that. And, um, you know, Julian and, and, and him worked through it and bit by bit got back up. And he wasn't happy with the car at first either. And then we made some changes. And by the end, the last couple of runs, he was he was flat out and wanted to take down for himself. So I took that as a good sign. So knowing that you are entrusted now year after year, or it's been recent years, I should say, where rookies get to be the subject of your coaching advisement and otherwise in the past when TK was there, whomever, getting to work with friends and veterans. How much of what you're doing, say, with Felix here, his first 500, is about you saying, guys, I think this should be the agenda I'd like to introduce? How much is the team? Just curious how you help shape this kid's first race. Yeah, I think here I might lead... On more occasions, I might say, "Okay, let's can we try this? Can we do that?" On the road and street courses, I, I just generally take a back seat to that, and the engineer and, and the driver do what they got to do and, and and how they would normally do it. But yeah, maybe here I'm sort of a bit more. What about this? And maybe helping translate a bit more what he's actually saying as well. Normally, I try not to get between the driver and the engineer because it just confuses things. But today, he would say something. It feels like it's doing this, and I said, "Well, are you saying it's doing this?" And this is what it feels like. He's like, no. I said, well, how about that? He said, yeah, that's it. Um, so, you know, just just sort of helping him understand the level of detail you need to run around here as well. You know, you go on Scott's radio and you hear this minute detail of every little thing the car is doing. Um, and then with Felix, you know, he's he's not quite there yet. But he, I think actually yesterday was a big lesson. So he's now really focused on the, the detail of each part of each corner rather than just saying, yeah, it's oversteering or, yeah, it's understeering. It's... Um, so that that'll put him in good stead going forward. So when you saw the crash happen, there were replays and such yesterday. What's your immediate instinct, Dario, in terms of looking at Felix as the proverbial blank canvas? Is it, I should go speak with him and tell him he did this right, but these two things wrong? Do you let him look at it and maybe give some answers back? Do you not do that at all? Just curious how much you coach or just let him soak it in on his own? My, my first instinct was oh shit really because yeah, yeah. I knew how far it was going to put the us the team back because the guys obviously got to rebuild a new car but mentally for him it was going to be tough so we figured out what happened it was difficult the video he hit so hard that it broke all the, the video equipment and so we didn't have Ooh. the we didn't have the, that, that replay so we had to sort of try and piece it together a bit and all, with all the data and everything and um, at first we thought he'd hit the curb but he hadn't the car had actually broken loose before that but um, you know, it, it kind of it caught him by surprise. It was sort of he'd been very happy with the car up until that point, and you know the, the wind had changed ever so slightly and started gusting a bit stronger. And um, I think Colton lifted quite heavily off the throttle, which is not something you should really do, but he Colton did that anyway. And the combination of that, the wind, um, and there was a bump in the track, 
and round she went, and the and the car being quite, um, you know, on 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 edge, shall we say, and round it went. And Felix just didn't have the experience to sort of to calculate ahead of time what was what was about to happen. And so, yeah, then you just have to rebuild. And the, the, for me, it was a, sen- a situation then of sort of trying to get him calmed down, get him, get, get him prepared for what was going to happen today and, and just working with him on that. And, the, you know, the team, we're, we're, we're all doing the same thing. Um, you know, the engineers, Barry Wanzer on the, on the stand, Scott got involved in that. And you're just trying to, you know, you realise you're starting at zero again. In fact, you're actually negative because... Ooh. You know the confidence level you show up here with. Um, if you hit the wall, it tends to go back. And so, he, I have to say, he, he we we know he's talented. It's, he's got a great talent, but his mental toughness today that really really impressed me. Wow. Where is he at, Dario? If we're using the Frankiti scale of constant note taking, just minutia, wanting to be a documentarian of all things, you're fastidious ways blended perfectly with your driving skill where's felix at in the i remember on this lap at this race i'd made this bar change etc do you push that on him he's not where he needs to be i told him what to do what i thought he should do shall we say and i'm not sure he's where he needs to be yet so Mm. um you know you can only suggest (laughs) but um he you know, Scott does it quietly. I think Scott goes and makes notes at the end of every day, and um, hopefully Felix is doing it. He hasn't shown me any yet, but I will say this for him: when a race weekend's over, you get a detailed, very detailed um, analysis of what went on. So maybe I'm being unfair actually, because he might not be doing what I didn't have like folders of, of notes and stuff but he you get this very detailed analysis um, for, and it's interesting having him who hasn't driven an IndyCar before the season or yeah, yeah, consistently race, yes. his his take on things so um, yeah I, I probably I probably was being unfair to him he, he he thinks about it a lot he probably thinks about it more away from the track when he's at, than when he's at the track Dixie obviously the two of you brothers Knowing that Felix is your young charge that you're trying to help look after along with the rest of the folks on the 10 car, how much are you still able or want to or ask to come down to the 9 car just to listen in and whatnot? I don't, it's not a case of, it's very rare that, that Chris or Scott will say, hey, can you come down? You know, then towards the end of last year, there was a situation where Chris, actually, I was in a, a bar in Portland and he yeah. phoned me <laughs> um, and said, hey, can have a look at this. Oh, that was the 10 a.m. phone call you told me about. Yeah, that was the... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but he... Um, because those guys operate at such a high level, yeah, yeah, that it's yeah. very unusual that I'll be able to, to sort of do much there. But I keep an eye and occasionally I'll make a suggestion and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But with with Felix, it's a lot more intense. Um, but I, I do love going down the nine car stand and watching the way Chris and Scott just... It's an operatic thing. Oh my word! And when you Dixon comes in and he does that kind of, it's funny. Every time he stops and he plugs the car, he goes, <sighs> and then he just downloads. He does that little sigh before he does it, and <laughs> and the, the the level of detail is spot on. Wow! So I think fans might have seen a pretty cool thing early in the running today, and that was Mister Four Time here. Seven-time Jimmy Johnson showed up. Dixie was there. Five. I mean, we started losing count of rings and you name it. 
on one hand, folks might think, oh, cool, Dario and Scott got to meet Jimmy. In reality, you guys are good pals. So while to the world it was a cool thing, this is just kind of a regular meeting among friends. Regardless, how fun is it to have Jimmy in a place that's been your home, that you've helped build the legend here along with Dix, kind of have him come into your house? It was really fun because we've talked about it a lot over the years of oh, you, you, you got to come in you got to just watch a car coming through and see what it's all about and so for for him to be here today was was um yeah it was it was really cool to to show him a bit um about uh, what indie car is um did we get him up on the spotter stand in turn one or anything? I or? think Jay, I think he was going to go meet Jay Fry. I said, go and stand on the outside up against the fence on turn two. Yo. That's the place to go. Um, and he was going to go hopefully in the stands in two as well and just watch um, watch what, what, the, what the guys do. So it's, it's always fun to catch up with him. We're supposed to catch up at some point. We've been trying to schedule it for two years of him, Dix, and I having some beers one night. Um, oh. But we're always... Different places with different agendas, unfortunately. But he is—he's one of the in the life of of being involved in racing. He's one of the nicest, funnest, coolest people I've I've ever met. I mean, if we just use the original Bakersfield in general off-road racing history, you look at Rick Mears as the template. You go, yeah, Jimmy should. No question as to why Jimmy's kind of in that same ridiculously talented but cool cat just a, a mellow guy but ridiculous i mean good people come from uh the southern california in the dirt got yeah i 100 percent agree with you there you know the mirrors as you say the mirrors guys and you know he's but jimmy's i think to jimmy's almost detriment he is so easy going and so cool that people you know i think under underestimate him and certainly underappreciate him i mean this is a seven time <laughs> champion in one of the most competitive if not the most competitive era in, in nascar ever and um, he's he, he's special. I'm glad he got to come here again, a place that he knows well from the Brickyard 400, but a place that he got to come <laughs> and see from so your experience. He of what tells this me is about. Could, we said today. I said, "Well, can you believe you know they're going wide open through there, Jimmy?" He said, "Yeah, we normally in qualifying we'll lift at the we'll, between the one and the two board, and in the race we'll lift at the two board." And I said, "The what?" And he <laughs> said, boards? "The board." That's what I said. I said, "There's <laughs> boards." <laughs> <laughs> wow, you live and learn. I'd never seen them before. He had to point them out to me. Oh, that is brilliant. Yeah, just not part of the not, not part of the architecture when you're driving an Indy car. I got to know him very briefly. He wouldn't recognize me from anybody today, but I got to know him 10, 12 years ago when I did a couple of stories for Race Car Engineering magazine. And what I loved in speaking with Jimmy was that wasn't really something folks apparently had asked him about or wanted to do a stories about. So it was just cool seeing him go, oh, cool. So we're not talking about what kind of rounds of wedge I used here, but actually like the real art and science of yep. racing. It's just cool to see this person go, ooh, new topic. Let's explore that. Let's explore something else, Dar. I'd love to get your thoughts on what we've seen today, what I think should be the theme for many folks about today. An off-track item, that being the race to get two crash cars back and up and running again. And so this isn't taking favorites or playing sides. This is just observing. So we had Fernando crash yesterday, roughly 12.30, 12.45. About three, what, three and a half, four hours before Felix, something in that general range. Speaking with Barry Wanzer this morning from Ganassi, said that team went home at 12.30 this morning, believe the McLaren guys wrapped up to 2.30, something like that. Felix's spare car was being warmed up at 9 a.m. 
I happened to be standing there when they fired up by coincidence. The McLaren guys didn't get out. And so the thing that strikes me is the difference between a well-oiled, well-drilled Ricky Davis-led crew. Ricky, who turned 62 days ago. Are you kidding? What's my excuse? That was his birthday present, turning 60 at the building you We're going to kick you in the nuts when we see you. But I just I was struck by the difference between a well-oiled, well-drilled unit. Uh, Barry was telling me the new the new spare car, so this is the spare spare tub, was wrapped last night and was being prepared this morning after Felix's replacement chassis was being warmed up and ready to go. Didn't the McLaren guys didn't get a chance to get out? What comes to mind? Again, we're not saying we're not picking on anybody. Just saying, what comes to mind? The difference between say a new one car operation having to learn how to work together versus maybe this well drilled Ganassi team. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. It's a well oiled machine. You know, Barry is um, you know the car builders is, is Barry's sort of baby. He he he. M- m- monitors that all the cars getting built you know just he's got his eye on it all the time um but as a team those guys have been together a long time yep. and as you say the well-oiled machine the parts were there the parts were ready i don't know how i don't know how um assembled the mclaren tub was when it showed up um i know ours was pretty ready to go and probably just be more prepared and that that's i i, I think We've got there's some great teams in this pit lane. Let me say, but I think we've got the best team. I, I do. It's part of being part of being in the team, isn't it? You've got to believe in the people you work with. I think we've got a great team, both the nine and the ten, um, and the sports car guys. Let's not forget them. They, they, you know, we've got a great team there. Um, I hear they let Matt Swan sweep the floor, which is kind pensioner. Yeah, that's not, yeah. You're looking after the pensioners. Yeah, I think Chip gets a tax break for keeping Swanee employed, but <laughs> um, you know the McLaren guys. They're a great team too, but they're a new team to this. To, to IndyCar um, and they might not be as prepared whether it's the parts being ready or or the car being as built as our car was or just knowing how the thing goes together as a group getting you know four guys doing one job each rather than four guys all doing one job it's it's all those little things and um, it, you know it, it, track time is, is is really a premium here although you wouldn't have known it today because not a lot of people were out running race runs yeah. in the middle of the day it was it was bizarre Let's close on this and just following on this theme. Where's your internal Fernando making the show concern amateur at if we just look at not a great opening day Tuesday, obviously an abbreviated Wednesday, and now nothing again Thursday. What do you think the, the mindset should be at least in theory getting on track tomorrow morning? Would it be go straight into... A quali sim once they do their install apps and such well you know everybody will be turned up tomorrow they'll have the extra boost um yeah i'd probably run it around with a bit of downforce on it first see what how she's feeling and then you've hopefully you've got all day to to, to do it i think they've got andy brown is engineering the car you don't get really much better than andy brown in my opinion we love us uh, andy and brown. he's so easy to work with too um and Fernando's a how do they what do they call that the baseball he's a clutch yeah yeah, yeah. clutch hitter clutch performer he's a clutch performer it. he's a guy when the when the pressure's on he he's one of these people you want he hasn't got a lot of experience here but he's not phased by much so I think I think he'll be all right but again we know very well this place you've 
everything's got to go right and you've got to really the whole group's got to do the job to, to, to get in especially with bumping this year um, and nobody as we saw with Hinch last year and we've seen before we saw with the Penske's in the mid-90s all that nobody's uh, immune to, to missing the show the skies are green outside, Dario. I know you'd like to get back to your bus and have a nice evening. I think we might need to get some pillows and blankets up here. I think we might all be sleeping in the media center. I was going to say, I remember this, was it oh, oh, 07 or something? There was a tornado after the race or 06 or something. Remember that? We were all huddled in the garages mm-hmm. afterwards. In fact, one night it happened. We are in the bus lot and we all got woken up from our buses and we got told to go. And we're all standing there in various sort of weird outfits at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, because there's a tornado coming. <laughs> that was one of the odder things I've ever experienced at the Speedway, to be honest. And on that, I have got <laughs> nothing to follow. You killed me. You, you Tony Kanan at you 2 win. o'clock in the morning is not a pretty sight. Oh, Lord. Yeah, him especially in his bumblebee pajamas. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit bizarre there. My friend, thank you as always for taking some time and uh, just helping bring the sport to fans who love to hear your take. Thanks, brother. Day at Indie listeners, we are joined by a friend, someone who I really enjoy because Elton Julian, you are your own damn self. And I, <laughs> Thanks, I say man. that in the most positive way. You yeah. love racing. You've raced your entire life. You're now a team owner. You just do what you do. You also have to know here on your first Indy 500, you're coming in on a really tough year. Yeah, with a lot of cars that are, are a lot of folks that are maybe putting you first everybody, among the, the easy out. In. Everybody's oh yeah, I put myself there. Do so you doubt about it? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Look at the program. Look at where we're at and the curve of the program. Straight into the Indy Five Hundred. Uh, we're no fools. We understand. We respect the competition. We respect the place, the heritage, the difficulty. Even if I never drove it, I was around it a little bit. Know, know enough people that raced it successfully and unsuccessfully to know how complicated it can be. But you put that aside. You don't worry about that. Just do the job. So your choice of driver and Ben Hanley, you've brought in John Dick as an engineer, someone with a lot of IndyCar experience as well. Tell us about your decision on how you have formed this team. I think some might say, well, why didn't you go name a veteran IndyCar driver who's here all the time why didn't you go and choose some of the maybe easy options or easier options from just experience someone who's been engineering a car all last year kind of thing yeah. you've gone a different route i think there's not that much talent available to mm. be honest uh, if you're really honest about who doesn't have a ride would you why don't they um the series has full grids not that many pay drivers. So in that sense, I look at what's available. We get hit on by a lot of people. Uh, I, th- I see a lot more value in con- the continuation that we have with Ben. It's his fourth season with us. I've had a large involvement in his return to racing and work really, really well with him. You see me often over the wall, talking to him in the helmet. We're friends. We have a similar mentality to racing, so that canceled out all that. Mm. Every single one of the boys knows him. Uh, the engineer had worked with him before, and I know exactly what he's capable of. And I, ironically enough, this is a style of place that suits him perfectly. His mentality, he's flat emotionally. His ask on the wheel, wherever we race, 
I always felt was suited to this place. And he's proved that the first three days, he's been flawless. And he's been under all kinds of circumstances. Um, you know, we're trying to build a car to make sure we make the field. So a lot of low downforce running, a lot of traffic out there, a lot of complications. You saw what's happened to others. Not making it easy on him. No, but he's handled it perfectly. He's unflappable. And, and a better person to ask, you know, is John Dick. Because mm. he only just met him three days ago. And uh, I think he'd be a good reference to give you an idea of, of who the guy that I brought is. So the challenge for any new team at the Indy 500 is you don't have last year's proverbial data to go back to. You're having to build from scratch. John Dick as well having to figure out this 2018 Aero Kit, new front tire compound, and it get up to speed as well along with a, a rookie driver as well. Mm-hmm. How have you tried to manage this fact that you have to get really smart really quickly or there's dire consequences knowing that that was the fact from the beginning yeah yeah i think that question was answered after the first time we let ben go in the rop he went straight to a 221 so for me the starting setup was going to be everything it's like it's like seeing the sector times on an outlap Mm. i know what's going to happen when i see the car leave i understand the tire temps i know the fuel load at a normal road course i know what we're going to do i fully understand so for me, the, the baseline setup from yes from the ROP, which is two days ago now, it's going by so quick. I know, back in the day. Jesus, yeah, back then when we were young. Um, that gave me a, a ton of confidence that I made the right decisions. Where does Chevy fit into this learning curve for you? We know they make one hell of a motor, yep. but they're also, they're not just an engine supplier. They are an overall vehicle performance. True. Friend, True. if you want to put it that very, way. Very, very friendly. How have they helped maybe on that learning curve to accelerate some of it just besides horsepower? Yeah, no, of course. So, uh, you know, I'm totally open. I, I, I keep no secrets. Your ATM uh, number is? Oh, sorry. We're not quite three, there yet. So, no, anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I had an existing engineer that was with us. We ran Texas. We ran the guy that runs all our cars. We have a, I mean, a group of them, but our main guy that we brought here, we had an idea, and Pratt Miller has been with us. From the beginning, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to be in this window. And we formulated a starting setup. When we brought John in, we didn't vary too much from that. So he, in a way, verified with his experience, well, that makes sense. So they have a huge hand in, in helping their own. Uh, how much they help us in the end, we'll, we'll only find out Saturday, Sunday. You know? Because I, I, th- I feel like all the Hondas are mostly full-timers. And the part-timers have been given Chevys or have been able to get Chevys. So you can argue, you could, logic says it'll be us fighting for the end. So, the, you know, they're going to find themselves in a tough situation where they have multiple Chevys fighting for the last spot. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yes, Talk about this team of yours. This isn't an IndyCar team you've assembled to come do IndyCar. Well, I have a story for you on that one right now. Okay. It's going to blow people's minds. All right. I had no team five days ago. Half my guys' visas got denied. Really? Five days ago, I lost my crew chief, sub-assembly, and number one. They're stuck in Europe. They're not here. I've got four new guys on the team that we headhunted over a four-day period. All Americans. They've gelled. 
incredibly, you know what I'm really proud of? Is the DNA and the mentality and what is the team stays the team. And that was what I wanted to achieve so badly. And that was what I was trying to drive at is this is not a bespoke dragon speed open wheel team. But granted, you've now had to improvise to Mm. kind of fill that with some. But your whole goal all along is to show and prove that you are a team. Oh, you want us to go to Le Mans and do this? You want us to go here and do that? We are a universal tool. And that is, although some of them unfortunately can't be here now because of our (laughs) our current visa policy, apparently, or issues there. It's quite tough. um, You, I mean, tell folks, your employees are, it could be F1 background, it could be GT here, it could be prototype. You've tried not to hire one type of person. You've tried to create this well-rounded. Yeah, I mean, it's, in one way, it can be terribly inconvenient, in the sense that we're not a, um, we've spent a lot of time in Europe lately, okay? So I didn't want to pick the best guys from my area. We made a point of picking the best guys we could find. Because we almost always operate as a flyaway team. The way the team operates is as if you're on a, on a world tour. More like uh, when IndyCar was traveling or when Formula One travels, you're on the road. So we're accustomed to that. That is normal. And I love that because it opened up the, the possibility of saying, okay, there's a Portuguese guy that's good. There's an American guy that's good. There's a Canadian. I don't care. And I know I'm an American team, an American guy, and that's important. But I think the most important thing for my job and my duty to my program is to find the best guys that I can. And, and it creates a pretty cool atmosphere. Coming back to today's running the no-toe speeds were certainly something to take a look at. I don't want to say I was completely surprised, but I was surprised to the degree that many teams chose to stay stuck in with race day running, running in packs and whatnot, yeah. toe speeds. Give us a thought about where you, you guys are at. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I have that's no an, idea. That's an honest assessment. I have no idea, dude. If John wasn't with us, Paul, my other engineer, and I would be taking the rear wing off. <laughs> so you look at it, you're like, that can't be right. <laughs> you know, and then John's like, no, 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 this is actually quite good. And then, you know, Chevy comes over and Pratt Miller comes over. He goes, you guys are doing a good job. That, those are good numbers for what you're doing. And we're like, okay. Honestly, wow. what reference do I have? What re- it's the conditions, the weather, the temperature, the, the, the wind. Uh, they, everybody else knows. And that's where John's been fantastic. But it's kept us nice and stable has you know implemented small changes along the way and i think he's really helped ben in a long way and that wasn't really the intent or, or how it's come across but just the method has has been because you know the road course guys we get a little brash and we say okay attack even ben at one point today was like can we go i'm too comfortable not now so yeah we'll see how it plays out i honestly have no idea what's going to happen how about from a Looking at the speeds you've been able to set, yep. no toe and otherwise, I know you would have liked to have ended the day with that no toe speed a little bit faster than what it was. What we, I think we you saw a two, P- high 224 was the best no P- toe, something like P25 that. P25 overall and no toe for the, today, I'll take it. Today we qualified. Who knows what happens tomorrow? Literally, I think my personal mentality is day by day. Mm. I have to, every day is a challenge. You try to tackle every day. Yesterday we didn't make it. Today we made it. We can keep that trend going would be good. Uh, but that's really, I think, the mentality is we just take day by day. And, you know, partially because of our lack of experience and understanding and seeing the big picture. 
you can really see the other teams understand really well where they are, and they can say, okay, we're good. Now we're going to go work on something else. If we don't qualify, we don't race. So what's the point? You know, we ran in, in traffic at the end there with Pagano and New Garden, and you know, and hung with them for seven, eight laps for that whole run. We didn't overtake, but we were also in pretty low downforce compared to them. So that was good. Mm. But I'm scared. Every time I see my car go through two behind another car, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> well, I mean, again, for the, for the driver with the least amount of oval experience in this event, I mean, one thing we can't say is Ben's been acting a fool. Ben's been putting himself in bad situations and getting lucky and getting through and it. And he's been solid. But he, look, he's not a kid. He's experienced. We work together. This is all part of the, you know, of course he wants to prove. But we're here on a different, on a different mission. We're trying to prove together. Maybe and that was part of the thing that worried me about putting somebody else in the car as well, you know. Guys come and go. They get some budget. They race for the weekend. That's great. They disappear for a year. Okay. Maybe folks don't, I haven't done a good enough, I haven't done a job at all of telling folks that, Ben is someone who was very promising, we thought was going to be on yeah. that road to F1. I don't know if he would have made it, but he was, again, promising European open wheel ladder moving on up. Yep. Career stalled. Yep. I mean, the Money. part of the, a big part of the Ben Hanley story is this. There's no one on the planet who expected to be practicing and getting ready to qualify for the Indy 500 in 2019 than... 2000 whatever year 8 9 10 version ben hanley if anything he was wondering should i become a barista should i he went back to karting he's been a professional carter he's still at the front of the world championship still kids have to get through ben to become somebody including leclerc and verstappen and everybody else but this is a guy to make a living in karting this is a guy who's up upward ascension to the the highest levels Mm -hmm. had stalled and fortunately was able to rekindle things through sports cars with you Mm -hmm. does Tons of tire testing yep. uh, with Pirelli. Bottom line, though, is of those who might be happiest or feeling the luckiest, although Ben's not a big emotional showy no, guy, I love him for folks it. hopefully <laughs> have to realize that this is a guy who never thought he'd be close to this years ago. I think it, for those of us that know him, uh, even some of the crew are like, you're happy, aren't you? He's like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And I really didn't know what, you know, he's, we've driven some of the most legendary circuits around the world. We've raced at Le Mans. We've done a lot of stuff. You've seen a lot of corners. And you never really know what, what it's like. But if you go on his WhatsApp and you see the chats with his schoolboy friends, they didn't blow up like that when he was at Le Mans with me. They didn't blow up like that when we were winning in Europe last week. No, it's here. It's because we're here. Let's close on this, Elton. The Elton Julian that I knew and followed was talented, went over to Europe, loved following your pursuit of a Formula One dream in the early 90s, British F3 and all kinds of stuff. Over here, at least, proud, flying the American flag with... Uh, wasn't Priestley a part of something as well? Yeah, we had to deal with Jason at the beginning. Priestley, uh, again... Your, I, think, I feel guilty. I think I, I think I brought him into racing. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. That's, Sorry. That's a whole another. That's another podcast. He should have um, stayed at rally. <laughs> but again, for those of us who've you know known you, followed you for a long time, 
we would have been absolutely convinced to hear that Elton Julian and pick the year 1995, 98, entering the Indy 500 as a driver. Yep. Tell us what it's like coming here years later as a team owner, but someone with a very impressive driving career as well, to be living this American racing dream just a little bit different than maybe you originally envisioned it? It's a good question. It's a really good question. I'm a relatively new team owner, as most people, even with the success we've had in Europe. It's really a six, seven-year phase where, we, where I really I stopped driving in 12. So from 13 to now, it's been, you know, we won in every formula we've been in, which is what makes me really proud. But I've always been eager to jump out of that formula and into the next, which is why we got here so quickly. A bit like a driver going up a ladder. Sure. And I'm, in the sense, I drive the team anyway. So not much has changed. Uh, my mentality, the way I wake up in the morning, the way I think about coming to work at the track is the same as when I was a driver. Now, believe me, the business side of it, sucks that's the responsibility and the ache and the pain i'd much rather show up drive complain and go home (laughs) but i'm not allowed to do that anymore literally the weekend isn't over until the truck unloads back at the shop like days later but it's you know i see all the other team owners that i used to beg for rides and they're still here um i I, i'm not a person that really thinks too much about that stuff i just want to get the job done now, probably when I get a little older and a little longer in the tooth of this team owner thing, maybe I'll look that way. But right now, it's just, just one of the boys, this race. Thanks for joining me, brother. My I'm, pleasure. I'm hoping we're going to be sitting here talking Sunday or Monday. This David versus Goliath thing you're trying to pull off, yeah. or is this modern-day evil Knievel versus Goliath thing? I hope folks are telling you how much they love the livery I of hope the car. So. It's a pretty cool thing to watch. Uh, again, I know you didn't come here with any false sense of, oh, psh, oh yeah, field of 33, we're going to be on pole. You didn't come in here with right. any silly no mindset. No you way. know what you've gotten yourself into, and I appreciate the fact that you and the team are like, okay, we have chosen the hardest thing we can possibly do, and we're just going to keep trying, see what comes, but we're not going to buckle under the weight of this thing. No, you don't. I mean, look, day one, cool, day two, three, now it's a trek. It's a paddock, it's a track, it's a pit lane, there's a job to do, and there's a lot of time to make. That's it. Speak to you here soon, my friend. All right, brother. James Davison, we are done with Thursday, May 16th, practice for the Indy 500. Give us some thoughts about where you are at in your Bird, Hollinger, Bellardi, ABC, DEFG, Motorsports <laughs> entry presented by Sesame Street, Big Bird, and a variety of others. <laughs> tell us about your day. Tell us about your effort. When we spoke this morning, you were optimistic that more speed would come your way. Did you get what you're looking for? Well, yeah, since the rains come, uh, we didn't get to put our quality sim in. So we're going to have to wait another 24 hours, really, to see where we are. Um, there's really been no reason why we should have shown any speed uh, on the no tow chart so far as we've been running full downforce and just working on race trim um yeah we've been quite competitive in race trim been able to pass a lot of cars and we've been trying different front wings and there's definitely some sensitivities there um but yeah we've had we've had a a decent day uh certainly would like to have gotten to run trimmed uh but yeah it's the same for everyone at this point with the rain so it'll just have to wait till tomorrow 
Your story here at the Indy 500, more often than not, has been heroics will be required at some point. And I'm not blowing smoke here, but for folks who've paid attention, you'll get up on that steering wheel. You're not afraid to have to, to work hard. Share some thoughts for folks who might be wondering, okay, we see your 12th on the overall speed chart for the day, 35th on the no-toe. Yeah. Is there a level of discomfort at where you're at on the no-toe, knowing that at least so far, knowing you haven't had a chance to really do a qualifying sim, you still have to find out what you got there and if it might get you in the show? Yeah, there is. There is. I'd be lying if, if, I, if I said there wasn't. Um, look, we were we we only did thirty laps on Tuesday after the refresher, but we had the slowest no toe. Uh, and yesterday maybe was more or less the same, and today was also. Um, again, there's no reason why we should have shown a big number because we've always ran full downforce pretty much. But you look at obviously what your teammates are running on the same wing and they're definitely faster so i i'm prepared to be sweating out this this coming weekend if if that's indeed the case um it's it's not obviously the most encouraging thing but again it is a little bit of shadow boxing we just got to see where we're at you know who knows what the honda guys are doing with the power level i know i'm running one engine you know i know within my team look seb starts with his indy gp engine and then they pulled that pull pull that out or they have pulled it out and they put another engine in for quali and then after quali he gets another engine and we've just got the one engine and so i feel that uh, my Honda Tech is is looking after my engine, um, uh, knowing that we're going to need you know all the all the life on it um, come come the race if we have that luxury to do it. Um, so yeah, look, there's there's just a lot of unknown right now, but there is such thing as a form guide, and so far we haven't been so quick on the no toes. Um, so definitely ready for yeah this weekend what what with whatever's thrown at me let's stay on this theme because it's uh, we've known each other for a while yeah uh, i've seen you do some insane things in sports cars as well there haven't been many years in your career where it's been i don't want to say gravy but just show up, full season, everything. You yeah. know you're baked in for the year. You, I don't want to say you can exhale, but you know that everything is set and good. You just have to drive, and your year will be okay. Yep. For those who don't know what it's like being a highly skilled driver coming to a huge event yep. that means more than anything, what's it like from a pressure standpoint? This is like asking a star football, baseball player to show up at the playoffs having been cold all year and to throw the winning pass. Yeah. It's, it's, this has to be tough mentally. To, look, to be honest with you, this has been the story of my professional career. I've never caught the break that I would have liked to. And, you know, it started 10 years ago when I, when I finished Indy Lights. And, you know, I, I ran Indy Lights with Hinge, Hildebrand, Kimball, and a bunch of guys. And, you know, 
the funding or the right place, right time just wasn't behind me there. And it's the same for, you know, tens to hundreds of talented drivers. You know, you've got a very small amount of opportunities for what how big the talent pool is. And if if you don't find yourself in the right place at the right time, it's, it's certainly a, a, a struggle. And you've just always got to do the best with what cards you've got. And so as a result, I've never had a great hand of cards. And I've always jumped in at the deep end. Look, you know, I've, I qualified uh, last year for my first real Indy 500 obviously I'd made it in default by obviously the Bordet accident in 2017 and yeah always ran um, limited miles Uh, you know I've jumped in NASCARs I've never tested a NASCAR in in my life just jumped straight in on the race weekend and you've got to figure it out you know sports car racing same deal limited testing um yeah, it's just always been like this. So, so I don't know any different. I've, I remember my. You'd first, like to know different. Yeah, you just don't yeah, know I any would. different yet. I, I would, but but I understand the way this sport works. You know, obviously, if if you're born into a family, you know, with the financials or you know the name or you know, you just find yourself in the right place, right time. You 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 obviously. Uh, <laughs> you have no reason to look back, but the situation that I'm in is the story for the vast majority of drivers, you know. And and uh, at least I'm here, you know. We we all want to win, and we all want to be driving for Penske. But obviously, you've got to catch the right brakes and have the right funding behind you to be able to do two, three, four seasons in IndyCar racing to mature to a point that someone like Roger Penske or Chip Ganassi or will hire you, right? And so that those opportunities are forthcoming for a very small percentage of people. But, look, just to be here at the 500, I think, is an achievement in itself for every driver, even if you don't qualify. Like, I've, I've said there's, there's three races within the Indy 500 race. There's a race to get in an entry into the race there's a race to qualify into the race and then there's the race itself and um you think of how many people want to do this um just to be here in this super tough era um is an achievement in itself for everyone who who manages to pull it off so yeah it 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 would have been nice to have gotten the break i would have liked um, 10 years ago after Indy Lights but uh, it's been what it's been and, uh, and I've done my absolute best with it and uh, look, I, I, as I've, I've said a number of times it's just kind of being born in the wrong era you know 20 years ago it's just a completely different deal when you had what was it 600 million dollars of corporate sponsorship in IndyCar racing with the tobacco brands the manufacturers beer companies all of above, right? That that just gave so much opportunity to the young drivers, right? That the driver development programs and and rookies would get enough testing that you know they they would be able to prove themselves and and team owners would be willing to take a calculated shot on them. And obviously, none of that's forthcoming these days. So 
I I uh, I remember my my rookie weekend in IndyCar um, in 2013 at Mid Ohio, and I'd I'd been on the couch basically for four years after Indy Lights, and all of a sudden I've got an opportunity to drive for Dale at, at Mid Ohio, and. Uh, you know, I knew the cars were going to be physical, and I had no race fitness behind me, and and I was just I got maybe two or three weeks notice, and Mid Ohio is a tough track. Everyone's you know got ten, fifteen years of experience behind them, and and three quarters of a season of race fitness, and I just really had to take myself and push myself to to a high level, and you know come qualifying I, I was able to deliver and even su- surprise myself and, and you know the race went green all 90 laps and managed to not fall out of the seat physically and hold my own and finish ahead of some decently established names in the series so you know it's um you know it gives you some, some you know self-confidence you and 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 um it, 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 it's obviously satisfying as well when when you fight through some adversity and and uh but yeah, look like you touched on it. it. It would be just great to be in a, you know, a full season and basically a Zach Veach situation. You know, you got three years to mature or in 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 an arena that that uh, gives you every opportunity to um, get out all of your full potential. Well, I hope we are back here either end of day Sunday or Monday. Yeah. talking about your journey to get into the Indy 500 again, James Davison. And hopefully, A, we can do that, and B, we can talk more about the pretty awesome faith that's been shown in you by the Bird family, Brad Hollinger, Brian Bellardi, along with the coins as well. So looking forward to you doing more James Davison things this weekend. And again, <laughs> I hope we can catch up again after qualifying's over. Yep, certainly hope to be able to have that opportunity to talk to you after the whole quality weekend's over that's for sure thanks mate thank you